Welcome to the State of Everything Extra Tim. I'm Paul Rodriguez of thinktrading.com and I'm here with Tim Price of pricevaluepartners.com. Tim and I discuss what a Karen is. I think we both get it wrong, so I'm going to read the Google definition. It's Karen is a pejorative term for someone perceived as entitled or demanding beyond the scope of what is appropriate or necessary. A common stereotype is that of a white woman who uses her privilege to demand her own way at the expense of others. On with the show. Hi, Tim. Right, so we've got a big agenda here. In a packed programme tonight. In a packed po- programme tonight. Let's start off with your Twitter feed. There seemed to be an interesting Oops. event that happened that people may or may not know about, which I think is rather funny. Yeah, it's, it's the strangest thing. I, I had my first Twitter pylon, I think might be the best way of describing it. It was uh, drive-by shooting might be another, another way of describing it. So I happened to be... I happened to be sort of mooching around Elon Musk's timeline. What were you doing there? Uh, <laughs> you made it sound filthy, wasn't it? Wasn't it? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> to, to be fair, you did. <laughs> okay, I'll, I'll rephrase. I'll rephrase that statement. I was um, having a good dig in um, in, in Elon Musk's undergrowth, <laughs> <laughs> and he basically because he'd, he'd pointed out something a few days ago that he'd had four tests done for coronavirus and two of them had come back positive the same day and two of them had come back negative and i forget exactly what he said but basically he said something like this this is a bit of a con well yeah he's i th- actually i saw the tweet and he said yeah th- there were four tests all done by the same nurse at the same time with i think the same it was, machine. i think he said uh bd which probably would be beckton dickinson Oh, right. Which okay. is the, the, the pharmaceutical company I'm, I'm involved. I'm not sure which, which yeah. but yeah. So the, the headline was it was four tests, but they were all done at the same time. So it wasn't yeah. over a different period where something could have changed. Mm. And, and uh, 50% showed positive, 50% showed negative. Which is interesting. I think we have to have to conclude. Very interesting. And anyhow, so I was sort of having a look at that. And then, and then some, somebody who will remain nameless um, said something along the lines of, oh, no. And they basically sort of corrected him. For, How could they correct him if that was fact? Well, they just—I—I—I—I I, I, I don't—I don't have the tweet in front of me, but basically said, basically it, the implication was Elon get back in your box, and they used the expression um, "Space Karen," <laughs> right. so they called him Space Karen. Now, for people who don't know what a Karen is, because we do have an international audience, that's very much an American. I phrase. think we're the number fifty uh, podcast in Botswana. Yes, we are actually. No, that's true. Big shout out to Botswana. We do get a lot of views in Botswana. It's amazing. But yes, yeah, so a Karen. Not trying to be deliberately offensive here. A Karen. I feel. I don't know if this arose in Australia. I think it might have come out of Australia. But my understanding, my start of a tenor as to what a definition of a Karen is, it's someone who is irrationally terrified by anything to do with coronavirus. And it's the sort of person. So it's not a it's not a, a gender thing. It just happens to be that oh. there was someone called Karen that sort of ignited this meme. I thought it was I thought it was like a sort of a middle aged woman who has a certain amount of makeup and a certain hairstyle, a Karen hairstyle, mm. who's campaigning for something that she may or may not fully understand. Oh, okay, and, well that's a different. Just, get, just getting very angry about something. That's a different perspective to the one I had. And my, okay. my I presum- could be wrong. I, my, don't I don't know. know. Well, they may both be right. My presumption was that it was just someone who, in the context of coronavirus, was someone who was, let's say, inclined to take the government line and follow it literally. Right. So okay. no, someone who was keen to embrace the whole mask hole 
culture. I'm pretty but, sure it's beyond yeah. beyond the coronavirus. That quite can, possibly, yeah. quite possibly. Anyhow, that was my that was yeah, yeah, where, sure. where I was coming from. So sure. I think she was basically implying that he was basically being a bit of a you know a big girl's blouse, and and also that the the the, the, the he should stick to you know basically firing rockets into space and not not talk about science that he apparently doesn't understand. <laughs> okay, which seemed like a bold call, <laughs> frankly. <laughs> Yeah. Anyhow, so I just said, right. uh, so I forget the, the person's name, but the response was something like, my response to her was something like, well, it seems to me like you're, you're, you're Space Karen, her right. name. Okay. I, think, I think, yes, it was a lady involved. Anyway, and then, uh, no, I, I didn't really think anything. It didn't seem to me to be the most outrageously offensive thing I could possibly not, have not, said. Not I thought, really. You've I said felt worse. It, I've said worse. <laughs> said an awful lot worse. Anyway, I'm not going to now fall into the trap of using... You know, c-ing language or anything like that, but <laughs> no, we, we can bleep that out. We can bleep that out. But um, I, I thought it was relatively innocuous, and then all of a sudden, I start basically getting death threats from from people, and for the life of me, I don't really understand why. But That's the so last time I checked, because I've basically just, I, I've got a very a very um, casual sort of block early, block often policy on Twitter. If I start getting anonymous hate mail, but I, I've no idea where this Twitter storm came from. It's incredible. So it's a, anyway. So it's a, it was it was a an interesting little insight, and it, it, what it did show what it did show me was in real time how easy it is for Twitter just to turn into a giant cesspool of hate. Yeah, it's uh... so I can see why people have basically abandoned the abandoned the, the platform because if if you happen to you know accidentally inadvertently um, you know it was not a deliberate policy of mine to annoy anybody. But I ended for a up change. for a change for once in my life, yeah. and and it was just the most bizarre experience to basically have li- literally hundreds of people hounding me for you know for being against whatever they thought I was against. I d- I just don't understand where they what logic they've got, and you know it it must be it must but be the, that the, initial reaction. I think, reaction the best, I think the best way I can describe it is it's it seems to be symptomatic, or it seemed to be symptomatic of. Well, a, if somebody's, it must be like if somebody's kicking somebody. They just like want to come along and start oh, yeah, kicking as oh, well, and sure. they don't even know what they're. Oh, they're these things them about. for sure. They develop a momentum of their own. But it, what, what it reminded me of is, I mean, as you know, I'm a big fan of the cheesy quote, and one of the best cheesy quotes I've heard, and it accounts for some of the weird, uh, the way that the whole political debate globally has become polarized, bitterly polarized between two extremes, uh, is this line that the left won the culture wars, and now they're just driving around shooting the survivors. And it felt very like that. It was like a drive-by shooting. So came out of nowhere. Hopefully, will disappear back into nowhere. But it was just a rather dark insight into behavioral psychology. Yeah. So sticking with Tesla, um, actually, that reminds me. We had a we had a conversation about green energy, and a listener very kindly sent me a link to the TED talk about whether green energy is possible. And I did watch it, and I. It was because I'd made a comment about using solar panels, and the thing with solar panels is that look, I don't, I'm not an expert, and I've got no dog in the fight. I don't care whether we use one form or another. Really, you're neutral on the topic of I'm, alternative energy. Yeah, but what I can say is that you know you can use a bit of common sense when it comes to looking at technology. Now, if you know that the efficiency of a solar panel is about twenty percent to 40% mm. at a maximum. And plants use sunlight energy photosynthesis at near 100% uh, efficiency. You can see that we've got a long way to go. Sure. And there's plenty of potential. 
So when you get a TED talk that says it's not possible to do this ever. Well, that's like saying the world is flat and, or the, you know, and, the, the, the sun revolves around the earth. And again, I will repeat, I don't have any, any agenda other than that I just listened to what that talk was about and it, it just sounded nonsense. So the arguments were, and this will come into something else, the arguments were, well, you can't have solar panels because they may make more energy than you need and then you've got to pay somebody to buy them. Yeah, that, that would be a terrible problem, wouldn't we, having too much energy? Well, because you can't turn them off, apparently, because there's no off switch. Doesn't make any sense. Uh, you also can't have them because uh, you would need to have a lot of land that would be assigned to the solar panels. Well, let's look at, um, you know, the, the arable, look at the land at the moment in America yeah. and how much of that is put over to um, corn syrup, you know, yeah. corn and, and everything else. When you're flying over any area, yeah. look at how much land is put over to, to that form of agriculture. But yet we're trying to attack the meat industry, apparently, mm. for, for not being green. And that that's getting worse, so and, the, that, and that just doesn't not make any sense the, at all. The arg- so, sorry, so, go on. So the point is that I, I listen to it with interest and with trying to be very neutral, and I just want to learn something from it. And all I can say is that I didn't agree with the arguments that it wasn't possible. And mm. part of why I think it is possible to uh, to to look at these alternative fuels is. For on an individual basis, so I'm not talking about getting energy from a central point. I'm mm. saying that homes can become more efficient, Local, localizing it, Local, localizing it. But yeah. there, there won't be any buy into that because mm. that that effectively takes money out of big business, and so nobody really wants that. So there's two things to say about the, the issue of solar, and I'm no great expert in 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 the energy sector. But firstly, I remember we had um, Sean Corrigan on. We've yes. only done a few times. Yes. And Sean was the first person to point out to me 15, 20 years ago that the whole green, the whole green slime, um, the whole green PR thing is, is a bit of a joke because, or rather, I, thought, I suppose you could probably call it um, the, the, the principle of anthropogenic climate change, the idea that A, climate is changing, which I don't think anyone would disagree with, but the, the climate has always been changing and it always will. Uh, but the, the, the climate is changing and we're responsible. Now, one of those statements is broadly acceptable, I think, for most people. The other one is deeply contentious and not proven. Yeah. In other words, whatever we're doing. And the point Sean made was that, you know, well, the most powerful energy source in the universe is something called the sun. So the idea that what we do has anything like the impact of, you know, for example, the change, the variability in solar flare uh, activity is, seems a bit of a joke. Yeah. Anyhow, that, that, that doesn't mean I, I, I just think we should pour crap in the seas and pour filth in the sky and, and treat animals with disrespect. I'm just saying that you know, there's a lot more to this debate than Definitely. is given the case. The other thing I'd make, the other point I'd make is one that I heard via Jim Mellon a few years ago, which is the, the, the great thing that solar's got going for it is it's a beneficiary of Moore's law. That because you're using things like semiconductor technology, yes. that, that continues to improve. So it's a beneficiary of ongoing technological sophistication. So the idea that they can't do it now is nonsense because, okay, it's whatever it is, 20% efficiency, but that's going to go up. It's, it's destined to go up. Well, part of, part of what annoyed me about the TED Talk as well is it folded solar panels into wind farms. So mm. they just put the two together and started talking about both of those together, whereas I was just talking about solar panels. And, mm. You know, I, I accept that. And, and there is, I, accept, I have I accept, to say there is a very funny spoof of a TED Talk I don't know if you've seen it. It's a guy who's basically dressed up like a 
a Roman centurion. Uh-huh. Um, and he's basically just bullshitting. Yeah. Um, and he just, it, it's very funny. I'll try and find the link so I can put it on the show notes. Actually, I do love TED Talks. I think, that, by and large, they're excellent. Um, and I was, you know, hoping that this would be the same. But I, I just didn't agree with how it was presented. I mean, they, they, there was a, a picture of a of one of these, um, you know, one of these wind farms on fire. Yeah. And it's just saying, well, this can happen. Yeah, well, yeah. Of course it can bloody happen, yeah. you know. It's like, that. I didn't see that. that That's when a, the sails just rotate too quickly and the, the, the engine overheats or whatever. Well, yeah, but it just, they, they shouldn't be designed like that. Yeah. I mean, it's like, you can actually have an engine that turns and doesn't overheat, you yeah. know, it is within our capabilities. But Well, I, uh, I, have, uh, I have as much a problem with the fact they slice birds apart. Well, yeah, well, that's, that's a valid case, but I wasn't talking about that. Yeah. I was to, I was talking about solar panels yeah. and the efficiency with which it could be gained. I, there's, I've, a, I've, there's a bigger point to this, which is we're debating effectively the nature of science. Yeah, and the whole point about science is it's an, it's an ongoing, evolving field. Exactly. So the idea that there's one definitive truth is 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 in itself an unscientific thing. When you start to try and pull things into the argument that don't seem that well don't seem relevant i think this funny enough i think this takes us back to identitarian politics and uh yeah the weaponization of opinion the the desire to to i mean it's like we're talking about solar panels and efficiency and then all of a sudden it it, it went to climate change it sounds a bit what about it's like wh- wh- hang we're not talking about climate change yeah. we're talking about using what do we what do we do do we use nuclear power do we use fossil fuels do we use alternative energy there is a combination of them. Let's just have a serious conversation. Sure. But, you know, solar panel technology will get better and better and better. And, and the sun is the most powerful energy source in the and universe. And you can use a solar panel. Or solar at, system, at least. You can, use, you can get a solar panel now. I didn't even know this as a, um, as a house tile, you know, mm. a, a roof tile. Yeah. So you get a roof tile. And you can make them transparent now, aren't they? You can oh, make them apparently. transparent, but you can have a, a roof tile. And if it doesn't work as a solar panel... Because Sean Corrigan did make a very good point on the podcast when he said, you know, how do you recycle them? Well, it just becomes a, a, a roof tile. Yeah. So it has a function even in a, in a dormant dead state. Sure. So, but the other thing is, um, is battery technology. Mm. And, you know, batteries are, th- this whole move now, we've had the government announcement that the, by 2030, all petrol and diesel cars are effectively going to disappear. So, I'm sure that's great news for people who've just splurged on uh, diesel cars lately. It's, it's, I don't know where they get, this is just another thing that the government's doing. Where on earth do they carry Simmons getting this stuff from? Yeah. So, <laughs> you, you know, I, I, you're going to have cars full of batteries. What do you do with those batteries? How do you recycle them? That's another issue. But we've got to the point where this technology is, is, um, it, it's not fully formed. It does. It works to a certain extent, but there is a weak link in the chain, and that needs to be. There's, there's something out. I'd like to ask our listeners if they can help. Does anyone know Carrie's um, waist measurements? Because I'd like to buy Boris some trousers for Christmas. Oh, I see. Yes, I get it. Sorry, I was. A it, bit was slow. it wasn't. It was my finest hour, but <laughs> I was you know. a bit slow there. But that's that's no surprise. <laughs> so, talking of the government. Um, Will we be able to see our families over Christmas? And what price do we have to pay afterwards? Um, I believe it's 5000 per per, per per parent. What? <laughs> checks, checks payable to... This is as ridiculous, isn't it? Yes. Um, my take on this, for, for what it's worth, is having, having taken opinions from a lot of intelligent people, the first lockdown, 
the one that happened back in March, the one that was just three weeks to flatten the sombrero or whatever, whatever pointless f***ing toss Boris gave us at the time. Um, the first lockdown... Which was too late. Which, which, which was too late. perhaps too late anyway. No, it was but the, too late. But the first lockdown was justifiable on the basis that at the time it was an uncertain situation, nobody really knew what was going on and therefore the precautionary principle was appropriate. In other words, over overstate the risk rather than understate the risk. Now, I mean, we're now in mid-November, the second lockdown I would simply define as a crime against humanity and I want the government to pay. Yeah. That would be my perspective on it. And I think, and I, I, I stress I'm not sitting here with a tinfoil hat, but does anybody believe the government is behaving sensibly now? Or is just irrationally carrying about like a, like a wrong one? It, it does seem, when you look at the statistics of, of what's happening, you've got, there is a rise in deaths, which is, which is um, terrible, of course. And it is a terrible disease. It's not, a, it's awful. Well, it's, no, it's, 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 a bit, it's a bit like a bad flu. And we have bad well, flu in, or flus all the time. In, in many cases it is. In some cases it's awful. In some cases it's really much worse than that. But I, I, I'm reminded of the, the ER doctors in California that I saw probably April time, April, May, perhaps, I forget. Because you lose sense of time in lockdown, don't yes. you? All the days merge into one. But I remember seeing these guys very vividly and they're cited in a book called The Price of Panic, which I would recommend to anybody as a sort of sensible uh, response to this madness, this, this madness of government overreaction. And these guys pointed out, I think they got to like 5 million views, certainly million plus views on YouTube before YouTube then just pulled the plug on them. Yeah. Um, and I remember what these guys said was they were sitting there giving a conference in their scrubs, but they weren't wearing masks. And they said, we're not wearing masks because we understand virology and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and what they said was lots of cases, very few deaths. Lots of cases, very few deaths. That was the case earlier in the year and it's the case today. Lots of cases, very few deaths. And the word case there is, is doing a lot of work. Yeah. So my only hope at the moment for getting, us, for getting the world collectively out of this hysteria is Dr. Rainer Fulmich. So Rainer Fulmich, if people don't know the gentleman in question, is a German consumer lawyer who, by all accounts, has successfully prosecuted in the past actors, including Volkswagen, Kuna and Nagel, the shipping company, and Deutsche Bank. So in other words, he's, he's, been, he's, he's been out there with the big boys. Um, and I believe he's now uh, assembling a class action lawsuit in America against the World Health Organization, Tedros himself, um, and effectively the PCR test brigade and his argument is i think the thrust of his case as and when it's unveiled is that the pcr tests are unfit for purpose the pcr test should never have been used for the purpose it's now being used and rolled out globally so what we are experiencing globally is not a pandemic of coronavirus it is a pandemic of pcr tests and when the full truth assuming this is correct and i obviously hope that he wins the case assuming this is correct then you may remember we had, I think it was Nick Hudson of Pandata on the show a few, a few weeks ago. Yeah. And I asked him the question, if, if Dr. Reiner Fulmick is correct and wins his case, what would the political fallout be? And I think probably we both agreed the political fallout could easily include the collapse of multiple governments, including our own. 
Do you really? Do you really think that? Do you yes, really think- I genuinely do. And I, I, I clearly, you know, that that may never come to pass, but I think it ought to pass. Yeah. Cause, and cause as, we- I, as we said earlier, as we were discussing a little bit before we came on air, uh, this is a hill I'm willing to die on, but hopefully not literally. The because we've had this with the markets, haven't we? Where what should happen and what does happen are two different things. Yeah, this is, this, is, this is a fair point that for any investor, you need to discriminate between what you want to happen and what's actually probably most likely to happen, taking an objective view, which is why price, again, is, becomes the, the paramount uh, characteristic of any investment. Yeah. Because the price is the price. Everything else is a, an opinion. Yes. And we've seen the price go up very aggressively. So we had the FTSE break a, an important support level, turned around very quickly, went went back up, but it's still underperforming. European stocks are st- still underperforming. But if you have a look in Asia, you'll see that uh, the Taiwanese stock market exploded into new highs and it you know, w- was looking very much like it was bubbling up there. Seems like Asia's having a really good time. And I know you're a, you've always been an advocate of Japan. Japan's mm. doing very well. Japan's well. having a good war. I mean, the, 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 it is incredible, really. Uh, that uh, Here's a great example. So Japan... Culturally different, of course, from um, you know from from Europe and from the states, uh, but it's it's a country I'm very fond of, and uh, I've just actually finished watching uh, James May's uh, visit to oh yeah, Japan, which I is saw great that. fun, which yeah, is great yeah. fun. But did you know about the chopsticks? Uh, what about how to hold them? No. I know, in fact, there's three types. No the starter no. chopsticks, and then the intermediate, and then the expert ones. No, no, I didn't know that. <laughs> I've forgotten that bit. But the the bit where you know, when you, when you get them, you're not supposed to have them kind of pointing away from you because that's supposed to be rude. You're supposed, oh, you're to, supposed have to have them basically parallel to you. Parallel to yeah. you, yeah. And I, I didn't know that. No, I'm, I'm not an aficionado at sort of chopstick. Yeah. Uh, uh, what's the word? I'm, it's a Chinese word, which I probably shouldn't use. Feng shui. Uh-huh. But uh, anyway, but uh, no, it was great fun. But to get back to the, the, the topic of Japan, Japan never locked down. Japan constitutionally was not allowed to lock down. Mm. Uh, they've had a fairly fairly good crisis, whereas, of course, our government has wet the, has shat the bed. And as a result, we've now got the worst economic catastrophe in our country's history. And people should be scratching their heads thinking, what on earth have we just all done? Well, that we, it's a royal week, so of course, not all of us, not all of us have behaved like fucking Karens. I think part of this is that there are people out there, and I have sympathy for them in the sense that they hear that this is a, a terrible virus and they hear that it's, you know, people have died and they trust the government. Um, Always a bad sign. Well, and, and they, but they trust that this is the right thing to do and they're willing to do for the greater good something that they think is right. But then what, what becomes. Uh, a very uh, a very dangerous sign is when you start looking at how the media are distorting um, the information that this we're getting. Is, so this is really interesting because my suspicion on this point is that Ofcom issued a blanket release to all media players yeah. back in March or April saying, please tow the party line on coronavirus, i.e. basically whatever the hell Sage is saying today. Yeah. Um, and if you don't, we'll take your license away. Because there's there's the issue. Isn't so in other it? words, they weren't allowed. The media weren't the main mainstream media, at least, weren't allowed to deviate from the party line. Yeah, because there there is. I mean, look, there, let's face it. There is an issue with people coming up with conspiracy theories that are total nonsense. Like, for example, you get the virus from five G and all that stuff. You know, and and that you need to stop that. But the, by the same token, you also need a balanced media. So 
if you look, if you want to look at what's going on, don't just go go to the government figures on deaths, but then also go one step into those figures, and you'll see daily deaths. You'll see the average, and you'll see them broken down by region. So when you see that, like, okay, I'm not, you know, I'm not trying to downplay anybody's death because mm. that's that's really bad. But sure, but when you look at the numbers and you compare them to this time of any year. They are it's, not. It's not, not. It's not out of line for a bad flu year. It's. It's. It's not. So, those are the things, and and there's no balance to that. There's no. There's never any good news, and it's always. It's always negative, and and if there is, that shows you that there is a bias because I, well, it just I, cannot I, what, be like. What that. concerns some me. days might be good days. Yeah. We might have less deaths than than the day before, but nobody reports on that. There's Nick, never a headline. Less. Nick Hudson of Pandeda, I think, also addresses this point very well, and we can perhaps put a link to that that interview uh, in the show notes as well for this week. But he said, you know, the, the, there, there are just bad, there, are, there is bad science going on and there is good science going on, but the bad science is completely swamping any sort of signal coming from the good science. This is the first time in history this has happened, isn't it? This is the first time in human history that we've quarantined the healthy during an alleged pandemic. It makes no sense whatsoever. So... Even the Who said that before. Yeah, well, the, the w, this is the other thing that comes out from that book. So if anyone wants to, 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 to read this, I would recommend it because it's a very calm, rational analysis of the, the state of where we are, the state of the world being completely fucked by most of its own governments. Then it's uh, a, very, a very sensible analysis of, of, of the problem. And one of the problems, and this is clearly something that Dr. Fulmick is, is, is centering on, the WHO is itself compromised and conflicted not least because they've got a Marxist in charge and they seem to be uh, basically China's poodle. Yeah, battery technology would suggest that, seeing as a lot of them are made in China. I remember our discussion about whether production would shift to India or stay in China. It doesn't look like it's really moved from where I've sat, but I don't know, maybe I'm wrong about that. But it, it, it seems that if anything, it's got worse. There hasn't been a backlash against China at all. Yeah, the only person I'm I'm aware of that's taken this tack is I think his name is Michael Sanger, uh, and he's the guy that wrote about you know the possibility slash probability question mark of Chinese psyops being involved in this. In other words, that what what happened was you had this this you know, new virus emerging in Wuhan at the end of last year, and then you had the most ridiculous things happening on social media with. Uh, videos of of Chinese people just dropping down dead in the street, or you know, yeah. being caught by the authorities with large butterfly nets and bundled into the backs of cars, and the whole thing looked, frankly, a bit sort of Keystone Cops. Uh, but then, when and then, they, of course, they locked down very aggressively because that's what you can do if you're a China, if you're the Chinese Communist Party. So you know, not exactly the most democratically friendly uh, system in the world. And then, when when the virus then popped up in Europe, notably North Italy then funnily enough, the Chinese get involved and say, you know what you should do? You should lock down really hard. That'll sort it out. And then we had a wave of lockdowns. And of course, we, were, we, were, we then got hit and we you know, followed the Chinese line as well. So on the, on the basis of Qui Bono, who benefits from this, well, China's, China's economy seems to be doing okay now, but yeah. the rest of the world is fucked. Well, thanks, China. Yeah. Thanks, thanks for your help there. Yeah. Thanks, WHO. Well, I, I, I think if, it's, if there's bad information and you follow it, that's your fault, not, not their fault. I mean, we yeah, should no, not, for sure, we for sure. have been listening to them. Well, we and, and this is another argument that Sanger makes in his piece, which we, we're going to put a link, for, it's from the tablet in the States, that those countries that did not have good relations with China refused to lock down, and one of them is this great outlier known as Sweden. Yeah, yeah, and there's all sorts of people arguing 
all sorts of arguments being made about why, well, Sweden, Sweden isn't indicative. Oh, yeah, no, they live in log cabins. It's like they're not indicative. They are indicative. They've got a higher death rate. They've got a lower death rate. The figures speak for themselves. Yeah. You know, just look at the figures. It's like you can't have the argument both ways that, you know, it, it, it didn't work, but it did work. They didn't lock down, but they did lock down. It's, it's, well, it's like, like you know, having whack-a-mole with whenever you have these arguments because yeah. if you can nail someone on one thing, they'll just, they'll just come up with some other completely spurious, unrelated argument. Yeah, oh, well, if you compare them to their neighbours, then their deaths were worse. Well, yeah, maybe they were, but that doesn't mean that they will continue to be because you can have a different response. Like, say, Brexit could be bad for the economy in the first six months to a year, but then an absolute boom thereafter. But my understanding is as at the 19th of November, the, the WHO does not advise locking down and we're doing it anyway. So what, do they, what, at the moment? I, I thought my, they changed the tack. I thought no? that's my understanding. I may be wrong, yeah. but, okay. but but this is the point. They've, they've switched themselves on this. So mm. you can't trust anybody. This is the problem with this mess. You, you cannot trust anybody. And, um, you know, or rather I would say there are a handful of good scientists that I think I do trust, but they don't work for SAGE, put it that way. I'm, I'm minded to think about what Naval says when he... This talks, is Naval Ravikant. Yes. And when he's... One of, the, one of the things he says that has always stuck with me is all knowledge sums to zero, all, mm. all opinion sums to zero. In other words... There are, there, there are bright people and some really f***ing retards out there. <laughs> well, no, not quite. But yeah, that may be true. Then they, can, they cancel each other out. Well, it's just all opinion balances out yeah. in terms of what you should do. So mm. you, you'll be able to find somebody who says wearing a mask is whatever, right. Whatever opinion you like, you'll find you'll someone find online. Someone. You'll, find, you'll find a spread of strongly to one side and strongly to the other, and it will cancel out to zero. It's a bit, mm. it reminds me of the wisdom of the crowds. You know yeah, how yeah. that works where you get... Like oh, it's a, like the, um, what is it? The um, guess, guessing the way to the ox. Yeah. Guess, or guessing the jelly beans yeah, in, in, a, in, a, a jar. In, a, in a jar. I mean, it, it, it is a phenomenal thing. It really is. Like you, you get... Uh, the, the, the individual forecast might be wildly wrong, but I've the average or the median is, is extremely with, accurate. Usually within 1% or, or perhaps a bit more, but within... Or the mean. Within, and it's just phenomenal to mm. see because I've seen this being done sort of live where you've got this jelly bean, jelly beans in a jar and people are saying, I think there's 50,000. Yeah. It's like... Okay, there's, there's only two. Of, there's only two of them, mate. I mean, <laughs> and, some, on. and then some kid will go, oh, I, "I think there's 400," and then yeah. you'll be going, "How is this ever going to work?" But then it does. So, so my point coming back to it was that depending on who you speak to, you will you will get a different answer, and I think it depends on who you decide to listen to. Well, I would really. I would just say that I mean, this is this is not new news for anyone that's been listening to us for the last couple of years, but you know, the mainstream media, I would say has had an absolutely appalling uh, coronavirus or PCR test pandemic crisis. And you know, I come back to a really great essay by Rolf Doberly, which is just avoid news. Yeah. That the, the mainstream media news is, is to the brain what sugar is to the body. It's just actively damaging. Everyone would be better off if they just turned the telly off and then threw the f***ing telly out the window. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, you know, genuinely... The more you look at it, the more frustrated you'll get from whatever side you are. If you're on a, uh, you agree with the lockdown, you're just going to get more scared. If you don't agree with it, you just get angry at what's being shown. That said, I would, I would single out, I mean, the, the, the fact is that they're not mainstream media, they're slightly on the fringe, but things like lockdown skeptics. And if you look at lockdown skeptics, Toby Young's venture, I think Toby Young should be honored uh, in the New Year's honors list for, for putting that site up because it's, I, I think it's a, a, health, a healthy, response to sort of mainstream media bedwetting. 
I, I think it's very dangerous when you are not willing to hear the other side to an argument. Mm. It sounds very religious to me, and I'm not being critical of people yeah, let, who are religious. Let both sides speak. Let everybody... If, yours, if your opinion is so weak that you are scared of somebody telling mm. you the other side... Then it's not a very good opinion. Then it's not very good... Then it's not very... That says more about you than your opinion, doesn't mm. it? Because you're, you're trying to squash the other side with, you know, um, with force, which is which is no argument to have. But but we can't finish without talking about the markets. Sure. We, we've well, it's seen... funny you mentioned the wisdom of crowd. So the, the big, one of the big events, and it takes us back to our friend Elon Musk and Tesla, mm. the, the, it's the wisdom of crowds uh, operating in the, in the US market. So well, one... well, just before you'd say about yeah. that, sorry, Tim, what is your opinion on him and his company? I really... Because part of me thinks I, he's a genius and part of me thinks he's a, he isn't. So I don't know. I feel exactly the same way. So you look at the footage of some of those rockets coming back and landing in the middle of the ocean on a, on a, a platform that's bucking and diving and all the rest of the waves. You think, that, this, is a, this guy's a legend. And what Jonathan Escott said as well when he said, what a brilliant, brilliant point that he made. He said, you've got this, this dude who's just like from no, nowhere. He's doing all this stuff. What's NASA, NASA been doing? It's such a good argument. <laughs> no, it's a great, it's a great argument, and 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 yet, you know, there are these other things, and maybe some of the tweets are occasionally a little bit outre, and maybe some of the behaviours a little bit outre. But the more I think about this, um, the more I'm minded to think that I don't don't know Elon uh, Musk, but I, I'm minded to think he's just he's one of those you know one in a billion people that just he just follows his own course, mm. and he, he gives every sign of not giving a shit about the rest of the world, and why should he? Yes, um, but is his company woke or is it is it good? Is it? I mean, I suppose that's a difficult question. Tesla's Tesla's unlikely to be a business that will ever come onto our radar because it'll always be too expensive by conventional metrics. But the point I was going to make is that uh, Tesla, to my knowledge, is about to enter the S and P five hundred index, so the, the the U.S. broad market index. And I think the figure I've got in my head is 14%. It'll account for 14% of the index if it goes in all at once. Now, what? you may remember we had something similar in around 99 or 2000 here in the FTSE when Vodafone went in as a result of the 3G yes. um, licensing yes. nonsense. And I think Vodafone, I may be off a little bit, but I think it was something like Vodafone comprised 12% of the market. But if you're an index tracker, uh, which nearly everybody is these days and was back then as well, if you're an index tracker, you couldn't own enough of it because you were limited by regulation to, uh, I think, 10% of, to own any 10% of a stock within the portfolio. So funds had this problem that they couldn't own enough of a company. They, 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 so, well, I mean, that's their problem. Which, but I think what this throws up is the, the whole insanity of index tracking at, at, at market extremes. Yeah. Because, you know, okay, time to call a spade a spade. I think Tesla stock is grotesquely overvalued but that's not a judgment call on elon musk it's a judgment call on the lemmings who are buying the stock at an inflated price i think but you know i may be proven wrong but the point is this could yet be the the, the absolute last hurrah for sort of etfs and index tracking because if if as i think is possible we get a shakeout in in, in big tech which has already started to happen then these funds are, are, are being obligated to go limit up on a, on a company that perhaps is a little overvalued, you know, answers on a postcard, just at the point where it's looking most vulnerable. So this could be, this could be epoch-making uh, insanity by, by index trackers. And I look forward to you know, these, these guys getting their just desserts because it's a lazy way of investing and it's an indiscriminate way of investing. 
So where's value in, in this picture? Asia still. I mean, the, 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 the markets that we think are still most attractive are the likes of Japan and Vietnam. Um, there are pockets of value popping up in places. I mean, we own some UK stocks and have done for a while now. Um, some of the, uh, the online brokers, for example, their, their cash flows are very, uh, uh, very attractive at the moment. And the, probably, uh, this won't be new, new news to any regular listeners, but we're still seeing great opportunities in the mining sector, particularly precious metals miners. Um, they're, they're throwing off cash like, like there's no tomorrow. So we don't require the gold price to go demonstrably higher from where it is. If it simply flatlines where it is for the next few years, we'll be very happy. These companies are tremendously profitable, some of them. You made a men- you made a mention of copper, I think, last extra Tim. Yeah, so we 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 put a premium on precious metals, that particularly the monetary metals, gold and silver, because they've always been monetary substitutes. They've always been they've always been money in their own right historically, um, and that remains the case because I'm convinced that the the net effect of the government overreaction to the PCR test pandemic is going to be inflationary. It may take time for that to pop out, but I don't think the inflationary genie is ever going to get back in the bottle now because of the insanity. We've had all this stuff like effectively almost the introduction of universal basic income and almost the introduction of modern monetary theory that you know, the central banks are just spaffing money against the wall like, um, like a bunch of you know, drunken sailors. So if you want to hedge against inflation, then gold and silver and related entities probably aren't the worst thing in the world. And they actually happen to be, in, some, in many cases, quite attractively priced at the moment. Um, but beyond that, you're then getting into the realm of economically sensitive things like copper. So the, the copper is often called Dr. Copper for its ability to sort of predict or lead market direction. Um, we're starting to look at copper uh, companies now. Um, I, I, it's a, The reason I'm reticent to sort of a, a embrace that risk with both hands is simply it's going to be industrially uh, cyclical to the, the, the global GDP. And as far as I'm concerned, you know, the, the world economy has now just been thrown into the freezer. I'm trying to square the circle. About- oh, just on that point, the, sorry to interrupt you, Paul. The, there is one chart that we're using with chats with clients at the moment, and it's a chart of, I think it's, um, what is it? It's, uh, I think it's the, the Goldman Sachs Commodity Index versus, um, I think, yes, S&P 500 or the broad, broad stock market. So it's basically commodities versus stocks. Commodities versus stocks, commodities have never been this cheap in 120 years. This is possibly a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity for, for people to buy. I mean, clearly there's different types of commodities, and I'm not sure oil oil's too difficult to, to work out because it's contaminated by the whole greenwash thing. Mm. But if you lump in oil, gas, all the other components of the commodities market and you know everything, commodities writ large look quite interesting at the moment. But again, I'm just reticent to, to fully embrace that strategy because this doesn't feel like a time to be, to be going really gung-ho and expect, expecting you know, dramatic global GDP growth. I'm just wondering about the technology stocks, whether they will continue to, to rise as, as George Cooper suggested they might, given, um, given the outlook for further lockdowns, et cetera, and the continued response by the government, or whether we will see an end to it. And mm. there, was a, there was a comment that coronaviruses usually last 18 months, so there'll be an end to it at some point. And yeah, but PCR for- test pandemics may last forever. 
Yeah, if you keep if you keep doing that, yeah. If you keep, if you keep throwing out junk data and then over, overreacting to it. Yeah, so it's a question of where, when we feel if there is an end to it, where that end would be. Well, and I, if as there far is as I'm concerned, the, the end to it will be the the removal of various governments from office. And if that, if that, so let's take the technology. Zoom, for example, as a company, Netflix, had a fairly fairly grisly correction during the week. Didn't yeah, they? well, that's what, that's that's interesting. See, and, and Netflix is sitting on an edge of of support that makes me think that it's not going to go much higher. Apple had a very interesting run up because only real tech heads like me would know that they've just released a new chip, and mm. this new chip is absolutely unbelievable. I mean, it is really unbelievable. It's a massive jump. You normally get an order from one... Uh, Does Apple actually make the chips itself? Yes. Right. So they've now dropped Intel chips, and the efficiency has gone from basically a computer that... that uh, like, if you compare it to cars, you've got a Ferrari's power with the fuel economy of a normal hatchback. Yeah. You can have your computer on for like 10 hours, and it'll still work. And it works at really high power. So talking of technology, there's a massive jump. So you'd expect the stock price to go through the roof. It hasn't. Mm. It's, it had a jump, but it hasn't. Slightly worrisome, and, perhaps. And, uh, and had we known this was being developed like mm. 12 months ago, you might have wanted to get heavily long. Well, it suggests there's a lot of good news now in the price, isn't exactly. it? Exactly. And it's funny that that Warren Buffett got in and, he's and, out, he's out and now. now he's out. And yeah. I'm thinking, this is why I use charts because yeah. this is exactly what you see with charts. You see the market moving, you scratch your head and go, why is this happening? This doesn't make a lot of sense. It makes some sense. And then you get the answer and you think, blimey, would I like to be long Apple now because mm. of this new chip? But the stock won't necessarily respond. So if things start to turn down. That would be a very interesting sign broadly. And it should push the value growth chart back towards value as opposed to growth, right? Mm. Yeah, I think so. But I mean, clearly, that's 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 my book anyway. So that's, yeah, but it's um, my thesis. a big correction in tech is um, is something that we can't rule out, really. And if it's a big correction in tech, it's a big correction in the market because yeah. the, the market's so strongly focused on, so so narrowly concentrated in the fang, so-called fangs. Yes. To be continued. To be continued, indeed. Well, look, thank you so much for your thoughts, Tim. Pleasure. And for letting me rant on about my views as well. Uh, thank you so much, Tim, and thank you so much for listening, and we'll catch you next time. This podcast is for entertainment purposes only. Please do your own research or contact a professional advisor.